2: That's a good groove, isn't it?
3: Always. I like it. My favorite.
2: Mike, Mike, you know, I don't know if you want to say anything, but I do want to say something. Do you want to say something first or do you want me to say it? Do you want to say something or do you want me to say it? Well, you can start. Feel free. Okay. Well, man, look. I've known you for how many years? 22? 22, 22 years, red, 22 years. Um, so we've known each other for a long time. And, you know, man, we've never had any, any kind of real issues, Not, no, no major issues that have lingered for a long time. Like some people who have known each other that long. They've had like a little dip, a little blip or something that's gotten away. And, and we haven't. And so I was a little disturbed, to be quite honest with you. Uh, because this show was just so real. I was a little disturbed by something you said on the show yesterday. Probably in like in the last five minutes, it really troubled my spirit, had a hard time, I couldn't focus, I had a terrible night of sleep, I could barely pay attention to some event that was happening last night in Milwaukee, barely pay attention to it. As a matter of fact, I'm not even sure what happened. Okay, that's a lie, but really, (laughs) It was it, it. It did bother me a little bit when you said on the air that you were rooting not against the Milwaukee Bucks, but you were rooting against me, your brother. We've been through so much together. I mean, we have we have shared uh, uh, deep insights, man. We're, like, look, if you put out a rumor about me, I'm just gonna cop. I'm gonna cop to it because it's true. You know all my dirt. You know where everything is going. You know everything about me, man. And I'm saying, wow, Michael Smith is rooting against me over a game? That's what this is about? Not a practice, a game? My man, Michael Smith, rooting against me? So I just want to know, was that just something that you misspoke on? Or do you really feel that way?
3: No, I choose my words carefully. No, I just know. yes. That's exactly oh, wow. how I feel. Yes. Over again. Yes, that was sincere. Over the Milwaukee. No, I was I if, was, that, was that your attempt at was that your attempt at guilt, that attempt at guilt tripping me? No, I just, I'm just wanted to know. you I'm sure, No, it's my attempt. I'm always it's my attempt. Generally to tell speaking, me, I'm, like I, I'm SRA. I'm I'm rooting for everybody black, but I'm really rooting for you in in life. I'm rooting for all your books to succeed. I'm in rooting life. for all your children, in your life. children's Thank children. You. I'm rooting for you. you. Generally speaking, you know that. In general, but in this particular okay. context, I'm rooting for you to be wrong. Okay. Well, look. I don't that makes me a bad friend, uh, so I, be it. But I don't know about I'm you. Just I to want tell the you. kind of friends that hold me accountable, and I'm here to hold you to account.
2: Well, so, listen. I was just trying to tell you. I'm not here to tell you what you want to hear. I'm here to tell you what you need hey, to if hear. If you were
3: here. If you were here There it is. You know There it is. All
2: right. <laughs>
3: There it is. You you know such yeah. an excellent writer. That's a great job of burying the lead. What took you so long? What took you so long to get there? Hey, get man. there. Hey, How many you know. editors have you have you have hey. told you? Get there. T V ain't no different than writing, Michael. Get there. That's what that's what hey, we were man. waiting for. Thank you. That's what? an awesome shirt. What? That is an awesome shirt. Thank you. That's awesome. Oh, that's a good one. <laughs> that's a good one. Hey. Can I see the whole thing? No, Here stand we are. up a little bit? Stand up a little bit. Yeah, there it is. Stand up a little is. bit there and start is. to see the whole
4: thing.
2: Oh,
3: okay. Oh, there's there, right, there. that's, that's it. nice. That's awesome. More, that's awesome. A little
2: more Milwaukee yeah. Bucks. Thank you. Don't stand up
3: too high. We won't, we won't see the gut. Don't stand up too high. Yeah.
2: Oh, oh what gut? What gut? What gut? Hey, man, I've been working. <laughs> I've been working. <laughs> that's just me, my brother. That's I,
3: just me. That's just me.
2: I've been working to get those, get that pandemic 20 off. I got 10 more to go. Hey, man, uh, I'm not saying the Milwaukee Bucks are, oh, Ooh. Oh, goodness. I'm not saying the Milwaukee Bucks are gonna be champions like they were in 1971, but I'm very confident. I'm very confident that they are gonna go into Brooklyn, go into friendly territory now. It's gonna be friendly territory for them because there's a lot of culture in Brooklyn. See, I'm not gonna diminish Brooklyn. The borough is beautiful. The borough is great, but the Brooklyn Nets, they don't really represent Brooklyn. They don't know what it's about. They just kind of dropped in there. Uh, They dropped in there because they have some issues with swampland, with the meadowlands. And they just kind of just kind of dropped it. Like you know what they are? They are they have the Brooklyn Nets have gentrified Brooklyn. So they're kind of interlopers. (laughs) Oh. They're interlopers. So we hey, we ain't really worried about them. This is no disrespect to Brooklyn. We love Brooklyn. We don't love the Brooklyn Nets. I can't wait until tomorrow night. I'm sorry, Uh, you won't be here next week. I won't be here next week. You are, you are going on vacation, and I'm going to tell you, your first day of vacation is not going to be good. Like I don't know if your vacation starts at five oh one Eastern time, but right around let's
3: let's, hold on. Let's be accurate. Right around midnight. I don't leave. Right around midnight. I don't jump on a plane until Wednesday. If you want to reconsider, we could do Monday. We could schedule. If you want to reconsider, I'll I, listen, we weren't going to be here Monday. You know why we weren't going to be here Monday. And, okay, full disclosure, we we, we couldn't do Monday. I'm le- We're leaving Wednesday for vacation, my wife and I, to celebrate our anniversary. So we figured, you know what, let's just go ahead and take the week. I'm willing to reconsider. I ain't scared. I ain't never scared. I will show scared? up just like I used to do in my newspaper days. I'll show up. To face the music on okay. Monday if you want. Okay. I don't, I, so okay. you want to reconsider, you let me know. Because because we took oh, off okay, Monday for, you know. you know, you needed Monday. So you let me know. Okay. Be, I'm here. The studio going to be here. I'm still going to be living at this house. The studio going to be here. Okay. I, I, you ain't said nothing but a word. But go right. ahead and finish your. Um,
2: well, I'm just telling you. Monday, by the Monday, way, this is, Monday. This is week, by the way. Se- by the
3: way, this is week. By the way, this is week. This is week. This is week. Just so, just so you know, this hey. is week. All right. Just being oh, honest with you, this is weak. I'm
2: not trying. Hey, I, thought, listen, I, I was I'm expecting much worse than
3: this. I didn't know you were going to do it, like, wax poetic about the beauty of Brooklyn, but okay, cool.
2: Dude, hey, no, no. your time. I'm not, I'm, not waxing po- I'm not waxing poetic about anything, because as I told you before, we don't start celebrating until the job is done. When the job is done, then you can go get it. See, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just happy right now, because I knew this was going to happen. I'm not surprised. So you expect me See, this is this is such a Brooklyn Nets take from you. Oh, I thought you'd give you much more for what? What y'all accomplish? It's the Eastern Conference semifinals, baby. Ain't nothing happened. You you and the New York Times need to calm yourself down. You said New York Times headline a while ago. Hey, the Brooklyn Nets possibly the best team ever. The Best team ever go lose in the Eastern Conference semifinals. Get some respect about yourself. Get some reverence for the game, for the history of the game. So nothing has happened. I'm not celebrating being tied 3-3 to an inferior opponent that, that. oh, by the way, I don't know if you keep keeping score, uh, Milwaukee has won three of the last four games, and when they win this game tomorrow night, that's four out of five against Brooklyn, not only winning four out of five against the best team ever created, four out of five and totally changing the tenor of the series, like the, the way the game is played. Like even that 49-point that gym from Kevin Durant, that was played on Milwaukee's terms. That game was like in the low 100s. Brooklyn doesn't want to reside there. They want to be in the 120s and 130s. And, and everybody wants to talk about possessions, uh, you know, per the offensive rating uh, per 100 possessions and all that stuff. Uh-uh. The, have you noticed what's happened since game three? Have you felt these scores? Have you yeah. felt these games? The pace? It's on our terms. It's on our terms. Look, I keep talking about Giannis, that man right there. My mistake. Oh, I forgot that the, Brook, that, that the Milwaukee Bucks can win. By the way, Brooklyn, you know, the, one of the nicknames is, called, is Bucktown. Did you know that? Bucktown. Thank you, most yeah, for the reminder. Bucktown. Oh, that's beautiful. Um, But I was reminded last night the Milwaukee Bucks can win games without Giannis being their leading scorer. Oh, Chris Middleton giving you 38 with two four-point plays. Two four-point plays. Y'all didn't even compete last night. I got bored. I got bored. You know, I I thought about turning away and just like watching like uh, National Geographic or something. Come on, man. You go, are you ready for a game seven? You going to be about it? You going to ride for your team? Or are you going <laughs> to sit there and let, let them give this thing right. away?
3: Let me say something. If the Milwaukee Bucks play like you just performed for the last 10 minutes, I like the next chance. The next chance is a whole lot. Okay? I like them a lot. All right. I thought you were going to bring it. The best thing about the last 10 minutes was that T-shirt. It was all downhill from there. Okay. Anyway, I'll take it from Sorry. here, all right? Um, That's all right. I'll take it from here. So, look. Yeah, yeah, take it. I'm going to be honest. I'm not so, I'm not, I didn't, no, I didn't want a Game 7. I didn't want a Game 7 for a, couple of reasons, for a couple of reasons. On a micro level, I didn't want a Game 7 because, you do your thing. I didn't want a Game 7 because I didn't want to have to endure Giannis Antetokounmpo's insufferable, which you know a lot about, insufferable free throw routine, Okay. That lasts longer than commercial breaks. That's so ridiculously extended that James Harden, of all people, is fed up. I didn't want to have to deal with that for another game. On a macro level, and I'm, I'm mature enough and observant enough to be honest about the situation at hand. As Captain Jack Ross said in A Few Good Men, these are the facts and they are undisputed. And the truth of the matter is, Michael, the truth of the matter is, but for... An all-time great game but for an all-time great performance by Kevin Durant a game statistically unlike any we've ever seen in the postseason the Bucks have won four straight that's the truth of the matter this series is over if not for a 17-point comeback fueled by an incredible performance from Kevin Durant that's the reality of the situation So I needed this to be over last night because I don't know if this is possible, but I'm just going to be honest with you. I'm both confident and concerned going into game seven. I'm both confident and concerned going into game seven because the nets are having to work too hard for offense. A team that was built for it to be easy on the offensive end. And and listen, props to the Bucks defense. They're a great defensive team. We know this already, but a team for whom it was supposed to be easy on the offensive end is having to work way too hard in the half court to get points because James Harden is a shell of himself and that's not an excuse and I'm not saying he should get credit for gutting through this hamstring injury but he's clearly not as explosive as he usually is so in the half court they got to run way too many actions and way too many handoffs and way too many screens. And wait, and it. maybe it's the Bucks switching on, on defense more. A lot of half-court turnovers and bad passes that's ha- happened on the Brooklyn uh, on the Brooklyn end. Only for them to give it to Kevin Durant with the shot clock about to expire and ask him to bail him out with an impossible shot. That's not the way this was supposed to look. The Bucks are making it difficult, and James Harden and Kyrie Irving's injury are making it difficult or contributing to it, obviously. For to get points in the half court against this defense. Meanwhile, the Bucks. what was it, 26-4 to four in fast break points? It's just gotten to be too hard. It doesn't look good for my Nets right now. Even going home, even with the best player in the series, and that's Kevin Durant, even with the best player no. in the series, yes, on he our side, the in the series. I don't feel great. I'm not jumping ship. I'm still rolling. I'm, I'm riding this thing till the wheels fall off. But I'm, I can, I'm, 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 I'm mature enough to, to look at the situation and say the last four games, but for Kevin Durant, could have and should have gone Milwaukee's way, and this series would be over in six already.
2: You say you, you but we you have another mature, opportunity yeah.
3: in Game Seven. Yeah, Hold on, I'm room not room done. We got another opportunity in Game Seven. me, we got another opportunity in Game, yeah, seven. Opportunity in game seven for the best player in the series. To rescue the Nets and advance to face the Atlanta Hawks in the conference finals. We'll get to that in a second. Wow. But props to wow. Giannis Antetokounmpo because here was my favorite stat from last night Giannis Antetokounmpo's average shot distance in game six was 5.6 feet. That's not only his shortest of the series, but his shortest of the playoffs. Thank you, Kurt Goldsberry. Hope that's not too analytical for you, Michael. Let me simplify that for you. at the Antetokounmpo last night remembered who he was, and he also remembered who he was not. He is not a three-point shooter. He is not even a jump shooter. He is not Kevin Durant. So last night, my man said, I'm the biggest, strongest person on the court. I'm going to act like it, and he took it to the Nets, even if he got away with a couple of charges, but I'm not going to take that away from him, okay? He took it to the yeah, you Nets, know what, you know what? and you're absolutely right, Michael. Okay. It's the last thing I'll say. The Nets, when they want to, do in fact have a big three. They do in fact have a big three. And right, I, I'm sorry, I mean the Bucs when they want to, I beg your pardon. The Bucs when they want to, do in fact have a big three. And last night they, they showed up and showed out. And right now it is the Bucs big three against the Nets big one and a half. That's what the situation is right now. But hey, one game. It's all down to one game. I'll see you Saturday night. I'll, I'll talk to you. I won't talk to you during the game. I will talk to you after. I'm not gonna go to the locker room and not shake your hand. I will shake your hand, win or lose, after Saturday night. And you tell me if you want to come do a show on Monday. Right now we're on vacation, but I'm accountable. Unlike some people, I'm accountable. I'll be here on Monday, win or lose. Let me tell you something. Floor's yours. Let
2: me tell you something. First of all, first of all, first of all, let me, just, let me just get this straight, okay? I'm just gonna tell you this right now. So I'm glad. I'm glad I know where you're going to be. I'm glad your vacation really doesn't start until Wednesday because I know where you live. I know where you live. I know how to get there. I know how long it takes to get there specifically. Oh, do you? Just you just the
3: other day, oh, you I were know. talking about how you were riding through Hartford. And I, all, all that you called me about was some chicken. Long, just, but okay, right. you know right. how to right. get here. But, but no, 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 go ahead. I know how to sorry. get here. Let me sorry. tell you something.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. One more, one more analytics slight. And I'm coming by. And, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm serving you and Kurt Goldsberry <laughs> on general principle, okay? Just on GP. I'm coming to both of y'all. Oh, let me, let me just break this down for you. Let me just show you how this is. As usual, you take a nugget from a larger point and just kind of obsess and kind of OCD mm-hmm. on that one nugget. Okay, look, it was really great. What you said was really great. But you, you really could have saved some time. In the interest of time, no. we're trying to be on these breaks. Woo, that's the part called the kettle right black, but go ahead. Yeah, but in the end, sure, sure it is. What you could have said is, you know what? Duck I'm that mature brick enough and just to say.
3: That glass house.
2: Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, it's all, all fair. You could have said, I'm mature enough. I thought you were going to say this and you started talking about your maturity. I was like, oh, here it is. I'm mature enough to say, I thought the Brooklyn Nets were a better team. They're not. The Milwaukee Bucks are the better team, therefore the better team will win this series. You just went on and on about, hey, what's happened, and all these sloppy passes, and all these things, and hey, okay, you know what you're saying? Just say it. Just go ahead and say it. Milwaukee's better, which is no, what I not what, I'm what I've no, been not told I'm you. No, what no, I've that's been that's not told you.
3: Because okay, because 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 people who rely it's on oversimplifications. As analysis, who like to just throw out things like they're the more talented team or they're the better team, Michael. What I'm saying is Milwaukee's the healthier that. team. Is what I'm saying. I'm saying they're the healthier team until now because when, because until coming now. into this is not an excuse. This is a fact, and there's a difference coming into this series. Okay. What I did not and could not have accounted for was James Harden pulling his hamstring a minute into Game One. And Kyrie Irving later, damn near, fracturing his ankle, stepping on Giannis's foot. I'll give so, you yeah, as presently constituted, Michael, you no, you're right. I take that back. I take that back. As presently constituted, as presently constituted, yes, the Bucks are the better team.
2: Okay, but two thirds of the Herving, big three, what you could they accounted the for, but
3: that's okay. I don't need that. I don't need. I don't need your sympathy. I don't need your sympathy. I don't even need your accuracy. Oh, so no the sympathy. people who are actually watching I'm the not, series and are objective about this not, know the facts. But go I'm ahead. Not you got you, it. I'm not objective. You got it. You, take us to break. I'm not objective. Take us to break with more BS. I'm not
2: objective, and I'm not giving you sympathy. All right. So first of all, I, I never claimed to be objective.
3: Yeah, you just told me that I said that that's a better like team, and I I didn't say that because I wouldn't say that. I said that they should have won the last four games, but for an all-time great performance by Kevin Durant. So I'm realistic. Maybe, let me use another okay. word. I'm realistic about game seven, which yeah. is right now, the Bucks look very, they look confident. Yeah, they're, they're performing to their optimal ability, or at least they did last game. They're big three. Drew Holiday had his best scoring game in the playoffs, I believe. Giannis played like Giannis should be playing. And Chris Middleton, you're right, Michael, was great. It's three on one and a half right now. So for that okay. reason and that reason alone. Yes, I'm a little concerned, but I'm still confident that the rest of the Nets will show up. Okay, and support Kevin Durant right. in a game seven situation. I'm still taking my chance with Kevin Durant.
2: Okay, at home you said you're a little concerned. I'm I'm a little confused. Maybe you and uh, maybe you and your boy Kurt <laughs> Goldsberry can uh, explain this to me and kind of straighten out my confusion. You said you couldn't have accounted for, Kevin, uh, for, for Kyrie Irving getting hurt and James Harden. I said, I'll give you, I'll give you Kyrie. I mean, that's a freak thing. But wasn't James Harden out for a long time with a hamstring issue? Didn't he have a hamstring issue before the playoffs started? Didn't he miss like a whole bunch of time yeah. with a hamstring issue? Yeah. And just because I said, yeah. I said the same thing about LeBron and Anthony Davis. Just because it's playoff time doesn't mean that these guys can just kind of find some loophole in medicine and decide, well, it's it's the playoffs. It's time for me to be healthy because my team needs me needs me to be healthy. I could have told you about Harden that he's a risk. I didn't know it was going to happen in the first minute of game one, but I knew he was a risk because he missed most of the season. He missed a lot of games down the stretch. I could have told you about the Lakers and LeBron and Anthony Davis. It was Anthony Davis because he missed a lot of games. But look, I'm over it. I'm over it. Next time I see you, we'll be talking about the conference finals. Buck Sixers. Cotton candy. Go to Coney Island and get you some cotton candy because that's where you belong, you front runners. You don't belong here. You don't belong here.
3: This is where I wanted it over last night. This is where I wanted it over last night. I I just, I I didn't want to have to do this any longer.
4: At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. emancipation of enslaved black Americans didn't mark the end of America's work to deliver on the promise of equality. It only marked the beginning. To honor the true meaning of Juneteenth, we have to continue toward that promise because we've not gotten there yet. We can't rest till so the promise of equality is fulfilled for every one of us in every corner of this nation. That, to me, is the meaning of Juneteenth. That's what it's about. as we
5: did just weeks ago with the history of the Tulsa Race Massacre, we must learn from our history, and we must teach our children our history, because it is part of our history as a nation. It is part of American history.
3: Well michael today is a federal holiday um the united states of america is observing juneteenth on a friday because it falls on tomorrow june 19th falls on a saturday so today is a federal holiday uh and to say i have mixed emotions about this uh would be would be putting it too nicely um where do you fall on the spectrum michael between uh celebration and disgust with Juneteenth Um, uh, being signed into law as the first federal holiday since MLK day.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I was just talking to, uh, was talking to a group of brothers about this, um, two days, two days ago. And, uh, one of them, I have a lot of respect for him. Uh, we were just talking, we're talking about that specifically. Uh, we were in a meeting on another, uh, on another issue, and he brought up. He said, "You know, I have a real problem." This, this is him talking. I have a real problem with celebrating the end of the end of slavery two years after slavery ended. That's that. That's what he said. Yeah. And uh, one of the mentors in our group said, "Is that what we're celebrating, though?" He said, "Is that it?" He said, "I'm glad you. I'm glad you brought it up. Is that what we're celebrating?" And he told a story uh, for those who have watched uh, Spike Lee's Malcolm X, you know about Dudley uh, Station in Roxbury, Massachusetts, and know Malcolm X's history. Michael, you know it very well, living here in Boston. But uh, this brother was saying that in Roxbury, they've been celebrating Juneteenth for like 30 years. And it's Mm -hmm. not necessarily Juneteenth, but it's. It's a family reunion. It, it is its community. It is seeing each other do well. It is mentoring one another and looking out for uh, each other's children and, and having that whole village and sharing uh, in some of our joys and some of our disappointments. So that's really what it mm-hmm. is. Now, I understand uh, any federal holiday at a federal level, that's going to be sanitized. That's going to be corporate. That's going to that's going to say White what it off. needs to say for whatever, for, for whoever. Yeah. 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 But for those who really, and it's a, any other holiday like this, but, but particularly MLK day in Juneteenth, that's for us. That's for us Correct. to interpret and to experience the way that we see fit. So I am not disgusted by it. I'm actually inspired because of my own experience because of the way i see it not because of what uh what joe biden says or kamala harris or anybody else or uh, unanimous senate yeah. approval i'm always thankful uh deeply so profoundly so i'm always thankful for those who yeah. who came before us and um there are a lot of people yeah. who for me, made some incredible sacrifices to put us in this position. So I, 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 I choose to reside there.
3: Yeah. For me, that's separate and apart from the uh, United States government um, making it a federal holiday. I, I respect everything you said. And let me start by saying how much I respect all the people who have fought to make this a reality, all the activists, all the people who for years have pushed to get Juneteenth marked as a federal holiday. But the reason it disgusts me is because we ain't need it. We didn't need it. For all the reasons you just pointed out, we didn't need government approval and unanimous Senate approval and bipartisan support to observe Juneteenth. Because like you just said, Juneteenth is ours. I said this the other day when we were talking to Jason right. Johnson. I don't like the fact that white people get the day off. I don't like it so let me get this straight the white people who continue to benefit from slavery they get the day off exactly to do what and the irony of of a day off when there is so much work still to be done okay we don't need another we don't need a holiday feel like Tina Turner we don't need another hero we don't need another holiday like we gonna celebrate Juneteenth regardless we gonna celebrate Juneteenth regardless we don't need the government sanctioning the, of, the observance of Juneteenth. That's number one. Um, Frederick Douglass once famously said, What to the slave is the fourth is the Fourth of July? I just want to know what to America is Juneteenth. And I appreciate Joe Biden's words, but what to America is Juneteenth? Like, how, how do how do you celebrate the delayed the intentionally delayed end. And if you read up on it, and I know you know this. This wasn't just because it took a long time for word to get to Texas. Right. Okay, this news was withheld. This was an injustice on top yeah. of hundreds of years of injustice. This news was withheld for economic purposes two years after the fact. How do you celebrate a sin that you continue to reap the benefits from? And it wasn't just We haven't made peace with way. that original sin to Texas. celebrate the end of it. Okay, fine, but you understand what I'm saying like but the last yeah. one's learned in texas the the very last one's learned in Texas, so point being very last enslaved africans um what was I say oh, there how do you celebrate something that you're still benefiting from that you still haven't made peace with, as many have pointed out, there is an ongoing controversy, and by controversy, I mean legislation to prevent our true history from being taught in this country. We now well, have the might. dog whistle that is critical yeah. race theory. So kids are gonna have day off from school, a day off from school that their teachers in many places can't even legally teach them why, why they have that day off. Not to mention all the different things we are asking and demanding for that are much more important than a federal holiday for Juneteenth. Police reform is still on the table. Helen, an anti-lynching bill, anti-discrimination laws. Okay. Reparations. Thanks for the holiday. What about actual reparations and less and and first and foremost, voting rights are under attack right now. And I'm not saying it's got to be one or the other. I'm perfectly fine with multitasking. But this is so empty to me. This gesture is so empty to me. It is symbolic. It is performative. It's surface. It means nothing more than it already did. Juneteenth was already our thing. Michael, one of the most profound things you said. In the history of this here show, I remember it like it was yesterday, is when the NFL, I think it was week one, they were singing the National Anthem and Lift Every Voice and Sing. And you said, that's ours. I'm not ready to share that song, Lift Every Voice and Sing. That's how I feel about Juneteenth. So Candace Owens and the rest of them get pissed off all they want because actually I got something in common with them. They're talking about, no, our Independence Day is July 4th. Yeah, keep keep your July 4th. That's fine. Juneteenth wasn't for them. You know, what, you know what this is, Michael? Because the other day, I, for Tupac's 50th birthday, you know I wore the Juice t-shirt. Juice is one of my favorite movies of all time. Yep. This is Bishop yeah, showing movie. up at Raheem's funeral saying, what can I do to help? That's what this is. This is the United States government is Bishop showing up at Raheem's funeral. Yeah. That's what this gesture means to me. Making Juneteenth a federal holiday, it actually annoys me because I can't enjoy it in peace anymore because it's been hijacked. Because it's being used to, for, 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 the, for the government to say, oh, hey, look, look what we're doing. We're acknowledging our history. Are you really? The present, well, we're at war in this. the present.
1: So yeah. I'm sorry. It's, it's kind of I'm hard for me. To, this, I
3: hear everything you're saying and I appreciate everything you're saying, yeah. Michael. This is not about the substance of the holiday for me. This is not about what the holiday means at its core and what it means to you, what it means to me, and what it means to us. This is about our government, once again, showing how, 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 how two-faced and inconsistent it is, where you want to observe Juneteenth, but what it's really about, we ain't ready to tackle that yet, and maybe never will be.
2: Well, you know what, but I think, I think most, most holidays are like that. Most, most federal holidays fall right into that category, what, they were suppo- what they're supposed to be and what they actually are. There's a, a huge disconnect between that, but in particular, MLK Day and now Juneteenth.
1: Yeah, MLK Day.
2: Thing. what do we have? What do we have? And, you know, and, 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 like, that's funny. It's, it's funny on this one. Let's go back to how MLK day became a holiday. Been hijacked. You know who signed that bill? <laughs> oh, yeah, you know who signed that bill? Ronald Reagan.
3: <laughs> yeah.
2: Ronald Reagan yeah, of all people. So, yeah. like yeah. so stop like, Ronald Reagan was not about what MLK. MLK was Bro. was deeply, fundamentally opposed to everything. That yes, hero of the yes. right, Ronald Reagan stood for. So,
3: and every day, and we
2: talked about this on to
3: Every MLK Day, my stomach turns at all the people
2: who want to quote "I Have a Dream." Yeah, well, see, that's part of it, and that's why I will never allow a federal holiday, and a federal uh, and, and an interpretation at a government level dictate how I feel about it and how I think about it mlk day i tell people this not, all the that's time, not what I know i'm we're doing on the same page that's
3: not what i'm doing i know you're not doing. i'm that. strictly talking about I know the news uh, june teeth will and that's my point june will always mean what it means to us yeah but now it's it's been it's been sullied in terms of its purity if that makes sense it doesn't dictate how i feel about it but now that the government has co-opted it now that white people have co-opted it like i would love to know i would love to know the answer to this i would love to know the answer to this How are white people spending Juneteenth? You've been given this holiday. What exactly are you doing
2: with it? Yeah. Well, I think that is that's the contradiction of a lot of holidays. It really is. That's the contradiction of it. Uh, I know you know this already. We've talked about it uh, with MLK. We talked about it on this show. Okay, MLK Day you'll have a kind of like a snippet of, I have a dream. You'll have a kind of cursory explanation of who MLK was and why it's important today. And the majority of people, some of them, black folks as well just tend to move on and not really take the time to investigate who he was. Like he lived for five more years after I have a dream. So like five more years from a brilliant man like Martin Luther King Jr., you know there was a lot more there. There was a lot more that he stood for and that he, that he, that he called out and a lot more that he was ostracized for by the same government that now celebrates him in 2021. Mm-hmm. We've talked about a uh, letter from a Birmingham jail. We, we've talked about his stance against the Vietnam War. We've talked about how, how he, ha- he wanted a poor people's campaign. That was one of the things that motivated him uh, to go to Memphis in the first place uh, in support of sanitation workers. That was the real Martin Luther King Jr. And once it gets to the federal level uh, on a lot of things, but in particularly when it comes to uh, black Americans, once it gets to the federal level, it is tough to bring it back and hold on to its true roots. Juneteenth is the same thing federally, but I'm telling you, as for me in my house,
3: it's gonna be a different that's story. Fine. And I appreciate so, that. It's, I'm glad it's, but it's there. If, 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 if my resentment there. comes from it's being used. I'm glad it's there. It's being used to pander. It, I'm not talking about the. I'm, what you talking about? The existence of Juneteenth or it being a federal holiday?
2: Yeah. No. No. I'm saying I'm glad. I'm glad it's a holiday. I am glad it's a holiday. I am because no, that's there, right. You're, you're right, not, listen, Mike. It being a holiday. You're right. There will be some, mo- There will be a lot of people. Let, let's say the majority of people, because we're, we're we're aligned on this one. The majority of people will just say, oh, whatever, it's a day off and keep it moving. But there will be some who are informed by it and who are, who are informed mm-hmm. and who will be transformed by the information Hopefully. that they get. There's God so will. much out there. And, and, and I got to say, hey, hey, me too, me too. Okay, let me just throw my hand up. I'm not lecturing anybody. I'm just telling the truth. These folks can talk about critical race theory all they want. We... In the United States have been severely uh, miseducated when it comes to race, especially mm-hmm. at a grade school level, at a grade school, at a secondary level, severely miseducated. But the information, the good, that's the right. bad news. The good news is there's stuff out there. There's a lot of information out there where we can educate ourselves and, and not fall back on the excuse of, hey, my 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 10th grade teacher didn't tell me my fifth grade teacher didn't tell me. And so that's why I'm saying, Mike, I'm, I'm glad it gives me another opportunity to uh, annoy my children and tell them the real story. <laughs> I'll tell you this real quick. Then I'll hand it back to you. Look, um, Robinson must have been in the second grade, probably uh, first and second grade. And uh, he brought home this worksheet. Uh, no, it wasn't even a worksheet. It was like a little, uh, a little coloring thing, or whatever. You know, it probably was a first grade. Some little story of Martin Luther King Jr. He said, "Hey, look what we did in school about Martin Luther King Jr." I looked at it, Mike. <laughs> hey, Martin Luther King Jr. Um, he was upset because um, he couldn't play uh, with the white kids, and so he devoted his life to making sure we could all play together. Ah, 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 Robinson. I said, Robinson, <laughs> sit down, son. That ain't what happened. That's not what happened now. I, and I did it in an age appropriate way, but not where I could just skip over and gloss over centuries of oppression. And the word I use with him is a word I have no regrets using today. And it's evil. It was evil. He was he was fighting against evil in this land. That's what he stood for. That's none of this little playground thing. Oh, he wanted to play with the white kids and then he got to play with the white kids. And here we are today. No. So a lot of history is taught that way for a first grader for a 10th grader and for graduate students in some cases. And I'm glad that I have an opportunity since it's Father's Day weekend. Let's go there. I have an opportunity as a father to not allow my children to fall for the same yeah, okie-doke okay. that I did. I, 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 I know, I know that's not that. what you're saying. I
3: appreciate that. I went
2: off on a tangent. I know. I, okay, I
3: know. Yeah, exactly. I really do. And I know, and, and it doesn't apply. This. It's not about the meaning of Juneteenth or the significance of Juneteenth. It's about the very same people who are fighting against the type of education you're advocating for. The type of education that you practice as for you in your house. Right. The very same people mm-hmm. who are trying to ignore, whitewash, and erase not only this history, but its ongoing ramifications and repercussions are the ones who unanimously approve this pandering gesture of making a holiday that recognizes the delayed freedom of enslaved Africans a federal holiday. I just don't like being Mm -hmm. pandered to, that pisses me off. And it makes it really hard for me to just watch the very president and vice president who I voted for, and I know there are a lot of people who are like, yo, this is a great thing. Okay, maybe it is, but I don't want it. It's just almost like I don't want this coming from them. I don't want it from them. We had Juneteenth. We been had Juneteenth. We been had it. Right. You didn't, you didn't we didn't just get introduced to this. That's all. Right. We can go to break. Roll the music again. Hey, We're behind. politicians. Hey, that, that, wh- what,
2: my man's, uh, what my man said? What my man tips at, say? Politicians are magicians. Politicians are going to pander. I mean, they just go pander. That's just what they no, do. No, I got it. So. We can call, we can call them on.
3: It, we can call them all. Yeah.
2: Oh, oh, that's true. That's fair.
4: But no, I. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play.
6: You know, and uh, as I've said all year long, you know we 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 we're built for this moment. Simple as that. And nobody says it's going to be easy. Yeah, um, might be hard, but uh, we are we we are capable of doing it. You know, so. Everybody' my was. Everybody had a great mindset, and uh, everybody, you know, came to play, came to compete, and uh, that's all I can ask, you know, for my team. And hopefully, we can do that in Game Seven and win uh, the game.
3: All right. So, Michael Holly, as he continues to bask in the afterglow of last night's wire-to-wire Bucks win, has brought in some reinforcements. He's brought in another anti-Nets. Individual who otherwise I love, Ashley Rolls is here uh, to great to see, Ashley
5: (laughs) Michael. I haven't seen you since we were right about the Lakers not going back to the finals. How did
2: that go? How do you feel about that? Hey, hey, listen, Ashley, I feel great. Look, you know, Ashley, it's interesting. Um, I told Michael after you came on, that was after game one. You said, I told you so. After game one, yeah, and I told Michael, I said, Look, man. I, I really feel like you're not listening to Ashley closely enough. She already told you. So he came after game six when he was surprised. I was like, man, she told you after game one. I told you. It's just like, so you ever, you know, some folks just have a hard time just letting it sink in, you know? So he'll go ahead. Just try to tell him, you tell him something smart today. He won't listen.
5: <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, the, Ashley, the, the, the situ- yeah, what's up, Michael? Let me hear it. Let me no, hear no, no, it. no,
3: go ahead. I'm sorry, I didn't, mean to, I didn't mean to cut you off. I didn't mean to cut no, you I'm off. No, I'm just, listen, I'm just
5: saying, the situation in Brooklyn is not what they expected. I don't think it's what Nets fans, and yes, there are actual Nets fans. I don't know where they've come from, but they're there. Um, this is not what they expected. This was supposed to be a walk in the park, go five games tops. And, you know, the Phil Jackson said it best. Part of winning an NBA championship is part luck because luck is in terms of being able to stay healthy. And as we've seen throughout this season, not just the postseason, but the entire season, health is the most important thing when it comes to chasing a ring. And the Nets have fallen victim of the... The bug, if you will, you know. First of all, Kyrie Irving, who I think is such an important part of this offense. James Harden, yes, mm-hmm. he is the X factor, well as well, but he's not playing to how he could be playing, which you expect. I mean, the man's mm-hmm. playing out there on one leg, essentially, like one hamstring, if you will. It's a very, very tough injury to kind of fight through, and the only way you can get through it is giving it an ample amount of rest, which requires time, which the Brooklyn Nets do not have. And I said this from the beginning. When this team was constructed in totality, is that the Nets, their downfall is that they're very they're a very star-dependent offense, which means that when you have all three stars on the court, they're unstoppable virtually, right? But you start to pluck them out of the equation and you see just how empty this team really is. And Katie, I think, is an incredible player, gonna go oh, down as one oh. of the best to ever play the game. But I don't think he has empty. the juice to do it himself. And I think the Bucks. You know, they have Giannis, a superstar in that, but they also have his depth. So when Giannis is not playing to his full capacity, you have a solid bench, you have a solid, you know, cast of supporting players who can kind of hold down the fort. And that's what Brooklyn is missing. And that's what they, that's where they dropped the ball when they constructed this team.
4: Em-
3: empty, empty just sounds a lot like cotton candy. You know what else is empty? You know what else is <laughs> empty? And I'm going to come to the Knicks fans because, you know, you and, 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 and your, people of your ilk, y'all know a lot about chants. You know what's a whack chant? You know what's a whack chant? Bucks in seven. That's a whack chant. Yeah. Bucks in seven. Uh, seven games. I mean, okay. A seven-game series? Like, that ain't, that ain't a statement. You know what's a statement? Suns in four. Suns in four is a statement, okay? Yeah. Bucks in seven? Who cares? Okay, fine you no, big it, three, beat the Nets one it, big one and a half. You know what you know what you know what would happen if the Bucs win this series? They that's got a big lucky. Deal. All, everything Ashley that's, said, smart as it true. was, let me boil it down to they got lucky. Like, it's it, 100% that's, what, that's that's true. the part that's the part. Pull out that Phil Jackson line. The Bucks win 100% this.
5: Michael, true. I'll tell you
3: what I would say on Monday. If you decide to come to work on Monday, Michael, and the Bucks win, they got lucky. <laughs> I'll i I'll give you a preview. They got lucky. Congratulations.
2: Well, look, Mike. Um, I, I, I'm sorry you feel that way, but let me just tell you, um, Bucks in seven is not a whack chant when it's coming when Bucks it's coming against against supposedly the best team ever created. I mean, like, wow! They, uh, how do they even lose a game? They're incredible. They're so good. It's a little bit of
5: a whack chant. It's a little bit of a whack chant. Listen, I am not a Nets supporter by any means, but it's a whack chant. Because it's not like, let's let's call a spade a spade. If the big three in Brooklyn was 100% healthy, this series would have been over with in game five. I'll give Ooh. the Bucks a win. The series Ooh. would have been over. It's true. It would have been over. So to go ahead and be so brazen, Bucks in seven, well that's right. obvious because only one person can win game seven and Able, here we are going into you. game seven. Able, game you're not now. giving me right. you're not giving me, you know, this this massive prediction <laughs> and confidence. There's literally one game Correct. left and someone's you're, gotta you're
3: win and someone's out on gotta them. lose. Right. But to have you're, you're that not going level out on of a of limit comp- it's like exactly. we make predictions. Yeah.
5: Yeah, and to have that level of confidence when you know that you're playing a team that's not at full strength. And look, that's not their fault. Phil Jackson, again, going back to that famous quote, and it's no different than what happened in the bubble with the conversation of LeBron versus the Heat. Would that series have gone the way it went if the Miami Heat were at full strength? But at the end of the day, that is part of the game. That is a huge part of the postseason. And sometimes a team, the not-so-better team, if you will, gets a break, and the Bucks caught a break, and if they can go ahead and capitalize off of that, then, you know, God bless, but let's not act like, you know, you're there 100% on your own accord. You got some help from the basketball gods. That's right. all I'm saying. When
3: we, when we make predictions, it's kind, nobody says, you know what, I'm going to go with uh, Lakers in seven. It's like, no, make an actual prediction. All right, speaking <laughs> about told-you-sos, though, Ashley, speaking about told-you-sos, um, those that follow you on Twitter know that you, 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 know, you called that there may be some concern long-term for Zion in New Orleans, mm. given how things went down with Anthony Davis. So I know yesterday you had the receipts, as they say, mm. when, it came, when the story came out from The Athletic that Zion Williamson, in particular Zion's family members, uh, want him in, on another team. We don't even need to ask you, and that <laughs> gift kind of says it all, we don't need to ask you what other team you would, <laughs> you would like to see Zion and his family come to. I'm sure you would take care of Zion's family if five <laughs> years down the road or whatever it is, <laughs> he wanted to change teams. So uh, what's your take on, on what you read, what you heard, what you know uh, about two years in, which seems a little early to be, you know, uncomfortable. But maybe that says a lot about the, uh, the front office and the, uh, the management structure in New Orleans. But two years in, Zion seems to already be unhappy reportedly.
5: First of all, I told you so, everyone watching. I told you so. And it's so funny because the Pelicans fan base came at me crazy, calling me a small market hater, saying I hate the city of New Orleans, which is not true. I love that city, one of my favorite cities in the USA. I've been multiple
7: I'm times. From New Orleans, so they it's
5: go. just listen, there you go. But oh, it's yeah, just oh, you yeah. have to that's go why, ahead. And that's why. <laughs> they have incredible food too. So, you know, let's just throw that out there. But I think people, you know, Maya Angelou has an incredible quote. She says, when someone shows you who they are, believe them the first time. And I think the Pelicans, the organization from a management standpoint, has already shown us who they are time and time again. You look at Chris Paul. You look at Anthony Davis. Even on a smaller scale, not so much of a superstar scale, J.J. Redick. He went on his podcast and kind of put the organization on blast when you know he was promised that he would go to Brooklyn to be close to his family and then somehow ended up in Dallas. I mean, it's just all this evidence that why do you think – you know, you luck out in getting Zion, who was supposed to be a New York Nick. Let's just call it what it is. A lot of people think <laughs> that the lottery was rigged to help New Orleans out. You why get this gold <laughs> mine. Listen, right? You get this gold mine in Zion, and you fumble that. It's just, I'm not surprised. That's why I called it. And listen, I would love to see New Orleans have a superstar. They have a superstar right now, but the thing is, is that organization has shown us time and time again, they do not know how to manage that talent. I'm not the slightest bit surprised that Zion's unhappy. I'm not the slightest bit surprised that his family's unhappy. The reason that I wanted him gone when his rookie contract was over, it was not because I hate the city of New Orleans or small markets in general. It's because I know for a fact, based on history, this team cannot manage someone of Zion's caliber and it would be a travesty to watch years of his career just not manifest into what they could be and waste some years in his prime because you don't know how to manage him the same thing I felt about Anthony Davis so many years of his career were wasted in in New Orleans because they did not know what to do with him and Zion is learning from history and not letting it repeat itself with him and he's getting in front of this and saying look I've given you guys opportunity. Two years is a long time. It may not be a long time in the grand scheme of life, but two years, if you were in a relationship for two years and you're telling your significant other, hey, this is what I need from you, and two years go by and they're still not meeting you halfway, it's time to end that relationship. So i all power to Zion. He knows the players have the power and he's making moves and I'm here for it.
2: You just said something. You just help somebody. I'm telling you, beyond basketball, you just help somebody. <laughs> somebody said, wait a minute.
3: She said two years, somebody out there, Only settling. Two years, I, I, somebody out there, settling yeah, right. needed to hear that.
2: So, yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. Settling yeah, a Mike and Ashley settling in year four, and year five. Hey, hey, let that go. Let that go. There's something better for you. Uh, let me ask you this. Uh, Ashley. we were talking about this earlier in the week about the best player in the NBA. You know, Vinnie Goodwill said it's been Kevin Durant for a while. Uh, I wonder if you see it that way too. Is it Durant? Uh, is it LeBron or, or somebody else? Best player in the league?
5: I think, you know, the conversation is depending on what you what criteria the best player means to you. Right. Is it a player who surrounds himself with superstar talent, which both guys have done that. Or is it a guy who kind of gets it from the mud? I think for me, you know, you can't ignore the stat lines. I think Kevin Durant probably has a slight edge above LeBron in past years. But LeBron had that crown for a very long time. And I think now you're also starting to see maybe them start to kind of even out a little bit and some other guys start to come up. But I would say that Kevin Durant still has the slight edge. And especially, I mean, you're seeing what he did in that last game against Brooklyn by himself. This is a guy who's coming off an Achilles injury. I mean, I know he's not coming off of it, you know, just a month ago. But an Achilles injury, for anyone who's ever had anything going on with their Achilles, it's not – that can act up sometimes. It, it it affects the way that you can even move. You never really move quite the same. Your foot never flexes the same. So seeing someone of Kevin Durant's um, – you know, history in terms of injury, just being able to move and, and be just a beneficial part of this team and do it solo. I mean, he's out there fighting for his life. And we saw when LeBron had to be out there fighting for his life this past season, and didn't go the same way. So I think if Kevin Durant can go ahead and take the Nets into the conference finals by himself... Because that is exactly what he's doing these past few games. He's out there by himself. I think that's going to just solidify that he is the best player in the game right now. Of all time, no. Does LeBron have the crown for a certain amount of years in that category? Absolutely. But if we're talking present day, Kevin Durant has it. And if he does what we're hoping, well, not we're, Michael is hoping that he can do, then I think he got he, that crown is safe in his hands for a little longer.
3: Ashley, you're going for the crown yourself in this here sports media game. Before we let you go, how much can you tell us about Laces Out? We've seen you tease it on, uh, yeah. on social media, your latest project with Sports Illustrated. Go ahead and pump it for us.
5: I'm excited. So it's a little bit of exploring, you know, the fashion and the culture of our favorite athletes. But you know me. I'm a storyteller. I love kind of diving in deep into what people are doing outside of what they do for a living and I think a lot of times with athletes we get caught up in the wins and the losses and the stat lines and how many points did they score this game and we forget that these guys outside of their sport are people and they have other interests and they have stories that need to be heard and need to be told and deserve to be heard and deserve to be told so it's exploring you know their fashion game their sneaker culture which is huge the sneaker game is the biggest game there is right now I mean if you're if you know anything about it you're probably taking multiple losses on Saturday on that sneakers app but <laughs> it's the hunt it's the culture it's the vibe but also I'm going to head gonna go ahead and get to know these guys outside of the sport and and hopefully bring some insight to who they were before basketball, who they'll probably be after basketball, and what they do when they're not on the court. So it's a little bit of a, I like to say it's a little bit of, of a, a real time with Brian Gumbo meets Complex Sneaker Shopping meets MTV Cribs. It's just like a little, it's a nice little collage of different shows that I think everybody will really, um, there'll be a little bit of something for everybody that they can take from it.
3: Meets brother well, got from you in it, So we know it'll be great. <laughs> yeah we know it'll be great it doesn't it's not on that level yet not yet (laughs) oh please (laughs) congratulations uh keep killing the game and uh we appreciate you i I appreciate you when you're not uh joining with michael and ganging up on me but otherwise we're good (laughs) so (laughs) you take care we'll see you again soon
0: bye guys
2: congratulations ashley good stuff we'll be checking it out
4: it's a common theme here. We've given up tough starts, we clawed back in, but haven't, you know, had enough. And, and frankly, haven't played well here. Um, so, well, I mean, you can point to a lot of things and, and we uh, we definitely have a lot to clean up. And it was one of those nights where you could just tell we didn't quite have our fastball. So, um, you know, but that's that's what this is all about, is, is persevering, is, is finding ways to to come back and bounce back, and and that's why we were able to push through and finish second in in the East so that we'd have game seven on our home floor.
3: Confidence has always been high, um, win or loss. You know, never get too high, never get too low. Um, That's the main thing in the NBA season, especially in the playoffs. Um, You got to be able to bounce back and stay strong. Um, But, you know, we haven't run on the road yet, and that's the only way we knew we were going to win this series if we get it and win on the road. And, you know, it's coming down to the last game. All right, Vinny, uh, tell me how I should feel going into game seven.
8: That is interesting. Here's what I will say. The Bucks have won three out of the last four games. Th- those are in, you know, indisputable facts. But the team with the best player and the team with the home court are the Brooklyn Nets. So the question I have to ask you is, in the words of Jack Nicholson's Joker, Who do you trust? Do you trust Giannis? (laughs) Do you trust Chris Middleton to perform the way he did at home on the road? Or do you trust the best player in basketball in Kevin Durant? I think a playoff series, by and large, goes like this. At the start of the series, both teams believe something to be true. Then by game four, both teams usually realize who the best team is, and the series starts to take form. I think we can say that the best team health-wise, depth-wise, and everything else is the Milwaukee Bucks. But they're not that far in a way better than the Brooklyn Nets that Kevin Durant can't steal you a game in a way that a best player can steal you a series. And he did it in game five and he might not have to do it in game seven because I don't think that they'll have to take another kill shot like they did from Chris Middleton last night. And I don't know if Giannis has another 35-17 and game in him where he doesn't stray away from the perimeter. Doesn't a lot shoot. of things will have to happen. I was about yeah. to say.
3: <laughs> yeah, another 35-17 game where he takes zero threes. Not like, a drop. A great time for that light bulb to come off for him, you know? Not, not a drop. Hey,
2: Vinny. <laughs> Vinny, I like, I like the way you characterize the series, like the life of it. You know, game four, you kind of figure it out, and then it's just a race to who can nail that thing down, who can, uh, who can get to that fourth win. Let me ask you, uh, do you think that coaching will factor into it at all? I know most people uh, felt like the first two games, Mike Budenholzer was going to lose his job, and then down 3-2, Budenholzer uh, was in the crosshairs again. But the Bucks have really controlled the pace. Out of the, the three of the last four games, I think they've controlled the pace as well. How do you see coaching uh, factoring into Game 7?
8: Let me ask you this: Is there one thing that Mike Budenholzer has done in this series that made you think, "Man, this guy's impressive"? Because I haven't heard or seen one thing that he's done that made me think that he's running circles around a a novice and Steve Nash. Remember, that's supposed to be the big joker that the Bucks have yeah. is on the sidelines, and it doesn't look like there's a much of a difference. It looks like, if nothing else, the Bucks play closer to who they are. The the Brooklyn the, the, the Nets, rather. They play closer to their character, in my opinion, than the Milwaukee Bucks do. There was a stretch in the third quarter last night, and it was driving me mad, just as a basketball fan. And I was watching the Bucks shoot perimeter shot after perimeter shot after perimeter shot, and they weren't hitting anything. And luckily for them, the Nets weren't hitting anything either. You know what a good coach would have done at that midway point in the third quarter? Called a timeout and said, hey, This is not who we are in this series. We have to kick it a little bit differently. There's a freeway to the basket. Let's get there. Mike Budenholzer let them, I guess, play through it. And that was an elimination game for them at home. And for a front-running team like the Milwaukee Bucks are, if that had gone the other way, if the Nets had jumped on them by maybe 8 or 10, you would have seen things flow in a completely different direction because I don't think they have it in them to pull themselves back up. That's coaching and that's also a reflection of the character of your team. So that's why I wasn't so sure that the Bucs weren't going to lay an egg last night. And that's why I'm so sure that Mike Boutenhoser, from a strategic standpoint or even a motivational standpoint, doesn't have the pulse of his team to realize what he's seeing and to say, you know what, let's pull this back. Because in a seventh game, you can't count on your role players. In a seventh game, you count on your stars.
3: But well, by now he should know that if he knows what's good for him, that lineup with Giannis at the five needs to be played as often as possible. That's the most effective lineup that they have right now. Um, let's focus on the game sixes, two game sixes tonight. Uh, I think two teams, two elimination games, I expect two teams to be eliminated. And it's not so much, uh, and obviously, you know, we'll see about the health of Mike Conley. I know Donovan Mitchell's characterized the game-time decision. I have a hard time believing that they will collectively decide for him not to play in an, in an elimination game. Conley will see. Um, it's not so much about a, you know what I don't see in the Jazz uh, or even the Sixers, despite how much we picked them apart yesterday. I just believe that, the, that Paul George's Clippers, believe it or not, a franchise that I believe is 0-8 and, and has lost by an average of 15 points with an opportunity to advance to the conference finals. I believe, I'm going to say this, Vinny, I believe in Paul George's Clippers and I believe in the Atlanta Hawks at home, which has often been a running joke to seal a deal tonight and not let this thing get back on the road for the respective one seeds to win a game seven. I don't believe Doc Rivers. I don't think they they see a game seven. I think both those teams go home tonight. What do you think?
8: I believe in Paul George as a number one. I believe Paul George as a number one where you're forcing him to be the guy where you're forcing him to concentrate and to be assertive and to tattoo his effect on the game compared to being a number two, where you kind of operate within the seams. You operate within the crevices of a game where you're kind of following the lead of a Russell Westbrook or a Kawhi Leonard. It's a little difficult for him. I think when you put it on him, you put the onus on him and say, hey, you're going to have the greatest effect on this game from shot creation to shot execution to even – doling out your energy on defense, I think he mentally preps himself and puts himself in a different space than being a number two because he doesn't elevate himself to play like a number one when there's a number one next to him. I just think it's a mental thing. Now, in Atlanta, I have a feeling that the Atlanta Hawks could lay a big, giant egg tonight. Not because I want them to because I think the Atlanta Hawks would be a great story. Here's why I I think so, and I think they played – maturely beyond their years they haven't shown any scare but now this is the first time where expectations are upon them like they're going to have a great season no matter what happens after tonight when you look at it in the aggregate but in the moment where the atlanta hawks have never meant as much to the NBA landscape as they do right now, you can go back to Dominique Wilkins and those teams, the closest those teams got was a game seven against Larry Bird and the Boston Celtics in 1988, if I remember properly. The Al Horford, Josh Smith, you know, Joe Johnson, those Atlanta Hawks didn't create an imprint. This team has an imprint and imprints create pressure. And if nothing else, I'm going to say I expect Joel Embiid to at least be better. If Joel Embiid is hurt, I'm with you. I think it's over, and I think it's going to be a 15-point blowout. But if Embiid is reasonably the same healthy person that he's been, not healthy, but of reasonable health that he's been, I have a hard time, even though Doc Rivers is Doc Rivers, I have a hard time seeing the Philadelphia 76ers bow out tonight. Now, they can also lose a game seven on their home floor, too. Don't count that out. <laughs> yeah.
2: They're going to win. I think Philadelphia is going to win tonight and win the series. Um, Vinny, I, was, I said to Mike yesterday, Philadelphia is a better team than Atlanta. He said, they don't know it yet. What, what do you think?
8: They don't know. They don't know.
2: Who do you think the better team is? Forget about Philly, the regular season. Like, who do you think the better team is?
8: No, Philadelphia is the better team. They just don't know it. And they're not playing with the confidence. And here's the thing. When Ben Simmons goes to the line and, and this hack of Ben, and I hate the hack of whatevers, and your team knows that you don't want it, it deflates the confidence. And I'm not sure that they, can, they have the mental strength to bounce back from it. And not just that, you don't have a fourth-quarter player that can create his own shot if Joel Embiid is run down, if Joel Embiid is tired. So it's almost to the extent where you have to rest Joel and hope that Tobias Harris gives you a little bit more, that you hope that Ben Simmons doesn't go full head case in the first three quarters, In the prayer being that Joel Embiid has just enough to take you home. Got a couple other things I want to cover with you
3: before we hit this break. Um, and this is really, honestly, this is for both of you. I'd love to hear both of y'all takes on this. Who do you think got the better, and obviously it's in the moment, but the better of the Kimber Walker, or should I say the Moses Brown, because that 21-23 and oh, game is in my head. Uh, who yeah, got the better of that trade? Because your boy Sam Presty, Michael, now has, I believe, 36 picks, 18 in the first and 18 in the second over the next seven drafts. Celtics obviously unload Kimball Walker, get Hal Horford, but also get Moses Brown in exchange for the 16th pick in the draft. So, Vinny, start with you. Who do you
8: think got the better of that trade on its face in the moment? We love Sam Presty and the picks and the pick swap, don't we? Like, it sounds so enticing (laughs) until those dudes actually get drafted. Like, so I'm very curious to see exactly what Presti does with the picks. I would say on its face getting off of Kimball Walker's $70 million and, you know, discontent probably makes the Celtics the winner in this. The only thing with Oklahoma Mm -hmm. City is they're not judged by the same scale as the rest of us are judging these teams. The the you know the Oklahoma City Presties are basically saying we're kicking this can all the way down the road until I'm no longer the GM. He's doing all this for whoever the next guy is because I highly doubt he's gonna be using all these picks. So I would say just by that and that alone, the Celtics getting Al Horford back in the locker room and maybe settling things down for those guys as a quiet you know quiet forceful leader, maybe that's the win. I'm not, I'm not as down on Kimber Walker as everybody else is though, and I don't think he's going to be staying in Oklahoma City.
2: Yeah, you know what? I I am I'm down on I am down on Kemba Walker though. He had a great year one. The first pre-pandemic year one for Kimba Walker was incredible. Uh, made the All Star team. Was the right personality after these young guys dealt with Ky- uh, uh, Kyrie uh, getting brow beat by Kyrie, especially uh, Jalen Brown. Jalen Brown and Kyrie, by the way, they need to have a reality show. That's a good. That's a good conflict right there. That's some good stuff there. But you know what? They needed to move on from Kemba. And yeah. having a 16th pick, like they've been there before. Vinny knows this. Like they've been there. You know, 14th pick, Romeo Langford. Um, 14th pick, Aaron Neesmith. They've got a bunch of these guys. They've had a bunch of draft picks, too. They haven't quite done it like Sam Presti. But they've collected some draft picks over the years. They've been rel- reluctant to get them up, give them up. They saved $20 million with this trade. I like it for the Celtics. I think the Celtics want it. And Mike, I like it. Moses Brown, so they get two hey, guys man. that they really need. They Young need and Horford, cheap. and they need yeah. Moses Brown. They need like a seven-two guy who can board. That's a good pick. Yeah. Good, a uh, good pickup.
3: Hey, Vinny, we gotta let you go. Hey, real quick, as before we go to break, Vinny, uh, I'm encouraged by what I heard out of Dallas. This, this, this think tank. You know, Dirk Nowitzki, Michael Finley that Mark Cuban you know, kind of put together the the direction of the franchise. Give me a quick
8: take on uh, the latest coming out of Dallas with the Mavs. They need somebody from outside the Dallas cult. They need somebody to come in and tell Mark Cuban that it don't smell good in there and that there's a smell emanating from that owner's office and that he needs to back up. So while it looks good, it seems like Cuban just brought in a bunch of dudes who are forever indebted to him and probably will not tell him what he needs to hear. Love it, Benny. Stuff.
3: love it as always we well, appreciate you Vinny enjoy vacation Michael too scared to the show up on beyond? Monday nah <laughs> thank you man appreciate you Michael because he, he knew he didn't he didn't want to come after game seven Vinny. in Brooklyn he won't come deal with this smoke from us Vinny, so
2: enjoy, vacation. enjoy game seven it's gonna be fun game seven
8: come enjoy on. the vineyard I'm sure you'll be headed there this weekend too <laughs> not me I'm chilling. <laughs> I'm at the
3: I'm, I'm at the venue. This is my house. Later man, we appreciate it. See ya.
0: The legends are true. But overwhelming power. power! The Sauce of destiny. Yes!
1: Mike, are you still slacking when it comes
3: to Loki? I mean, we're two episodes in, man, and it's on par with WandaVision in terms of its creativity, uh, just in terms of, of the story, the acting. I mean, I'm, in, I'm enjoying the hell out of it. Have you still not started?
2: Well, uh, there's a story there, but I would say it's supposed to start this weekend. It's supposed to be part of Father's Day weekend. Uh, the delay okay, great the delay okay, good. is good. I can't tell you I can't tell you the I can't tell you the inside story, but the delay is a really good reason for the delay. Okay.
3: As long as it's at the top, we start this list. weekend. So all right, fine. It is. I we're not gonna spoil it for you. And speaking of spoilers, Tore, our resident hater, uh, well, actually Holly's a resident hater. Uh Tore is a a hater in resident is a visiting professor of, of hateration. Uh, He is here. He normally likes to troll me when it comes to my Marvel affection, but I've been getting texts from, from Ture lately saying, "Yo, I'm feeling Loki." So
6: you're not you're not gonna <laughs> ruin this one for me, I guess. One like, specific thing, it was just Endgame. It wasn't, no, it wasn't. MCU. It, no, it was wasn't. just Endgame. You have
3: crapped on Ant Man, Endgame every dude you
6: everything you You, name two things you You want to stay on an ant man see like now the truth is captain america and go back and look at your tweets captain america in general i mean come on man come on one came out i was like yo this is kind of slow son what's going on he's like keep with it and i'm like okay and by the third episode it started to crack and like show like other layers i was like okay i'm fucking with this and i was like okay all right this is hot this is hot I'm not just a Marvel hater. Try to, try to
0: keep it real.
6: Jesus Christ. You really? Okay. Ant-Man All is right. the hill you want to die on? Really? Really? No. No, it's just an
3: example. Okay. Let's, hey, I like, you know what? That's why I like that. Ant-Man is the hill you want to die on. Very clever. I like, I, Speaking I of haters,
6: tell
3: Michael Holly where you reside. Tell Michael Holly the borough in which you
6: reside. Oh, I li- I've been in Brooklyn for like 25 years, son. I live I if love I- Brooklyn. I Are you a- gonna be in the Barclays a- Center Saturday? Yo, know, if I had a little no, I'm not gonna be there, but I will be watching on television. Yo, know, if I had a little more cannon to the arm, I could hit the Barclays with a football from where I live. I had a little, a little more zip like I used to. <laughs> no, but I could. Yeah. I walked past the Barclays. Well, I just all want time. I just wanted you to know, Holly.
3: Holly's rooting against your squad. Just wanted you to know that Holly is not. You feeling, a Bucs not feeling. Man, are you, you just know, an
6: I, anti-Super Team fan?
2: No, I like. No, I, I, I'm. Uh, I'm all for Super Teams. I'm just like probably anti-Durant, anti-Harden. Uh, uh, yeah, anti hey, Kyrie.
6: Why are you why, why do you love good things? Do you kick puppies? Do you do you tip the toilet roll <laughs> yeah. backwards? Like what like <laughs> yeah. do you hate rainbows? Hey, like suckers before the sun rises? What's wrong with you? Are do you root for the devil? Let, like, let me ask you happened?
2: this.
6: T'eray. Well that's
2: that's <laughs> personal. Look. Hey Taray now, let me ask you this oh, for real. Um so you've been in Brooklyn for 25 years. You've got more you've got more gravitas in Brooklyn than the Brooklyn Nets do. When they came in, were you celebrating, or were you like, "Why all, the freaking New Jersey <laughs> Nets in Brooklyn? First, what are they doing
6: here?" First of all, New York is all about people moving from other places to come here to make it big. New York loves that story. Generally, you move. From New York to New Jersey to cement that you're big time, but it doesn't matter. New York is big time. As soon as you move to New York, you're a New Yorker. We embrace everybody. I, 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 I'm, I am extremely nervous about game seven because what has happened here is the universe, <laughs> the universe has given us this beautiful thing. They gave us Kyrie. And KD, we sat around waiting for it to materialize. Then it did. And then they gave us Harden. And it was like, yo, this is maybe the most beautiful super team we've ever seen. The way they play, the way they get down, the way they move. Like, if you love basketball, like, these three guys take basketball to another level, each of them. And, okay, whatever. Like, whatever. Shout out to Kareem. Whatever. I'm not (laughs) mad at them. but like Milwaukee! gave us that's this. a super team we were throwing down 130 points like it was nothing and then suddenly they start taking it away taking it away and we've been struggling with injuries all season long and now i mean like harden goes down to an injury that he's been having like that happens in sports i'm like damn you know then Kyrie goes down to a freak thing i was already saying before that happened This could be, outside of the Bronx, this could be one of the best teams in New York sports history. Now, partly, and especially in recent New York, like the last 20, 30 years, and part of that goes to the general utility of most New York sports teams over the last 20, 30 years. But this is a fantastic team that is favored to win almost every game that should go and win the championship. You mean
3: dominant, or you mean... When you say best New York, I mean, because they're obviously the Yankees, you got the Giants, you know, beating the Patriots twice. I mean, w- when, you say, when you say best, do you mean, like, in terms of, like, brilliance, dominance, uh, you know, or do you mean, like, because I think what Michael's kind of sort of getting at in his own trolly way is that, you know, this, the, the Brooklyn Nets don't feel like they're of New York. You know what I mean? They just don't. You know, I don't obviously, I mean, New York's a Knicks be, town anyway.
6: Well, I will, will a Knicks town please we have not given a crap about the Knicks in years and years and years I used to be a Knicks Ooh. fan oh my god I used to be a Knicks fan we should have got, got you we, and Ashley together around
2: New we York City I was on just on gonna say Ashley
6: no we gotta no, get no, Ashley we're on around talking about the Knicks nobody not for years so like let's like not a new, not Knicks wow. town it's not a Nets town okay but it's not a Knicks town at all um when when, when 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 okay. when Harden joined, a lot of people had little memes and tweets about how the three of them oh, yeah. seemed like a Brooklyn crew, like like not like a basketball crew, like a like a social crew. Like you got the the guy who's super skinny. You know the guy with the beard that's too long, and the guy who believes in conspiracy theories, and like this is like a New York crew that you see <laughs> move around the borough. So I mean, like you know, I mean, and and so, I mean, like if they're playing individual one-on-one basketball, right? I mean, like that's definitely New York City basketball. They definitely remind me of some stuff you see when you go out to the Rucker, to West 4th Street. Guy's got skills, <clears throat> lots of dribbles. He's not really looking for a pass. He's not really playing that much defense. He's trying to score as much as he can. He's trying to break down his defender. That is New York City basketball. So I recognize what they're you know- doing at the Barclays as far as part of New York City. But I'm just saying, Michael, in one season, put together uh-huh. the best group of people that you can in your sport
1: the okay. Yankees have had a couple okay. of
6: amazing teams with, you know, Jeter and Clemens and like, like, damn, that's a frightening lineup. Right. And like the Yankees are like up there okay. and like the Giants put together like Lawrence Taylor, Bill Parcells, Phil Sims. Like they had a fearsome but like after, after that, I'm like, yo, who is what Tell why is I feel New York city is messing with KD Durant and Kyrie. You know, with a little Blake okay. Griffin coming off the side. The thing that's crazy, and, and I would defer to you on this, Steve Nash is a rookie coach. Oh. And we see James yep. Harden is clearly not James Harden, right? He can't, uh, you right. know, they did a whole breakdown on, like, he had the ball, he was all alone in half court, and he let everybody pass it because he's like, I yeah. cannot run there right. faster than everybody yeah, else. He go even their break. way back there. Yeah. I think a Popovich or or a Phil Jackson would be able to say, you know what? You need to play fifteen minutes, you need to sit down. You're not ready. You're slowing us down. Because there's no transition basketball with James Harden in his current half a hammy state.
3: Yeah I, I, Patrick, I, I would he, he I would I would say, agree with there are James moments sit down. There are no, I don't think it's a Nash thing. I don't think it's a Nash thing. I think they need James Harden. They need whatever he can give them. There are moments where it looks like James Harden is literally holding them back, but there are other moments where you're like, if they didn't have James Harden, this was yeah. all on KD, what would, imagine, they, what would they be yeah, without him? Imagine if they I, didn't have yesterday. If, I, did, if yeah. I didn't know any better, Torre, I would think basketball were your sport. I mean, that was a pretty insightful commentary, but what I know, what I know is your sport is tennis. And I got to say and I I'm, I'm I'm in between two esteemed authors. I got to say the book Seeing Serena has a tough act to follow because I, I don't is the book rev- is the book as good as the book review that you <laughs> wrote sick. my friend for the Thank New you. York Times. I was like, "Damn, I'm like, this better be a good book." And I just I got to read there's so many I could read the whole thing, but we don't have time. But there's so many excerpts uh, that I want to read from. I sent my producer like five of them, so, I, you know, if you don't mind you're hearing some of your words back to you. Um, she's been so dominant for so long it's easy to forget that she's not won a single Grand Slam title since she became a mother. Uh, only one mother has won a Slam in the past 40 years. Uh, and you go on to say, part of it too is emotional. The mother's imperative to do everything she possibly can for her baby is in direct conflict with the athlete's need to do everything... Uh, she possibly can for her sport for Williams who conquered the barriers of being black in a white sport of growing up poor in an expensive sport and of lasting a long time in a young person's sport this last hurdle has proved to be her hardest But I love when you went on and talked about how everybody likes to talk about her being from Compton and but really she grew up in tennis academies and this it's, whole it's- Compton thing feeds into this larger narrative about what it actually means to be black. I mean, this was this was so deep, bro. Like you like you put it. You really put it down, um, you know, in, in this. Um, here it is. The trip to, through Serena's childhood raised questions for me about how we've chosen to view her and what details we focused on and which ones we've ignored. It's critical to the mythology of Serena that she is from Compton, an iconic city home of N.W.A., the media mentions it constantly as if to endlessly burnish her credentials as a quote unquote real black person i.e one who rolls from poverty but the full story is more complicated serena's father moved her family to compton by choice because he thought it would forge greatness and also let's keep it going there we go also because living there lowered his mortgage payments immensely meaning he could worry less about his business and think more about teaching his daughters how to play the toughness and the vibe of the place seemed to be part of serena but the Williams has moved to Florida so she could attend tennis academies when she was just nine. Compton gets a lot of, of mention for a place she left at nine. She's from a world of institutional tennis just as much as she's from there, but she grew up at tennis academies, is not quite as evocative. And sometimes she's from Compton, plays into hoary stereotypes of blackness. That term painful for black viewers when, say, Serena gets angry on the court and white pundits and cartoonists look at her like some stereotypical angry black woman, conveniently forgetting all that all athletes under high pressure get free or furious at some point. I just had to read that for those who haven't read it and maybe won't get the time to read it. I was just blown away by it. Then you talked about what a family woman she is, how inherently political she is, even if her faith won't allow her to be overtly political. I'm done. I'm done talking and kissing your butt. Brilliant stuff fill in whatever holes I didn't I didn't lay out just no, now with, mean, a, just with an the, awesome book review that's good that does its job it's going to make me buy the book
6: no i seeing Serena is a great book by Jerry Marzerotti who's been writing great stuff about tennis for a long time uh he reminded me that yeah Serena left Compton at nine and there's this great detail in the book where you know before they left uh Venus and Serena would play and and the love between Venus and Serena is so deep and touching they would sleep in the bed together and talk about tennis you know after bedtime and and serena would cheat venus while they were playing call balls that were in out and venus would never say nothing and this is that'd I mean, be like this is kind of love that you should know from your partner that you hook them and yeah. they're like it's fine. you talk
3: about what a family woman she is
6: right it's fine you talk about I mean, what yeah. a
3: family woman she is in general her daughter or sister.
6: I mean, Serena, I mean, yes, Serena has always been attended by family, right? She rose in tandem with her sister. Her parents were very much part of the mythology and the iconography from the beginning. Um, over time, the dad faded away. Venus's career has diminished, even though she's got a flourishing career in other things in terms of interior design and fashion. You know, they always were like, we have a life outside of tennis, Um and, and now her box is her husband, you know, her sisters, still the mom, maybe her daughter somewhere in the arena. Her daughter is very much part of the iconography of Serena. The daughter's doll is part of the iconography of Serena. It's amazing. But, yeah, the point about Compton, she leaves when she's nine. Can you be said to be from a place that you left at nine
0: I mean like ish like yeah
6: there's Compton-ness in her it seems but she left at nine and she's playing with all these white kids at these Florida tennis academies and like that's cool it's just the million times that the tennis announcers talk about her from being from Compton and they never seem to mention like she was playing at tennis academies at 10 and 11 and 12, which, I mean, they mentioned that for Maria Sharapova and barely mentioned her Russian background. And yet they mention it. They mentioned Serena's early childhood and not the middle childhood or the later childhood. I, I, it's just, it's interesting. It's interesting. Um, you know. It's good stuff, it's man.
2: And Mike, and Mike is right. The review is, uh, is fantastic. And one of the, the parts uh, in there, in your review... You talked about like some authors might be a little more critical of Serena for not being overtly political, uh, but she does have that in her. How do you view it? How do you view it? Do you think that uh, is it it an obligation for an athlete, uh, especially an athlete of color, with a platform to be political? Or do you say is it case by case? Just how do you view this thing? I uh, I mean, I think
6: nowadays the platforms are so large The issues are so important that if you have the space, you have to say something. We're not in an era where you can choose to not say anything. You have to be part of the fight. Now, let's localize it for Serena. One thing we see with the recent Osaka dust-up and some other things that have happened, tennis players need a union. Unions are incredibly important, you know, and not to protect the top players, but to protect the middle and the lower level players, especially. And tennis is a group of independent contractors as opposed to, you know, uh, basketball players, football players, which join a team, right? So there's some inherent, uh, you know, benefits that you're going to get being part of a team that wants you to succeed. Uh, Tennis is a group of independent contractors, right? You know, you can make guys who are around... 140, 150, 160, they might lose 200. They might lose money in a given year trying to pay to fly around, you know, try. You know, they don't make it. You know, they have a bad loss or two. And now they're uh, in the red for the year instead of in the black. How how do you build a sport based on that? You know, when Naomi Osaka says my mental health is being compromised doing this small part of the job, I'll play. I just don't want to. Uh, you know, be talking to the media and have them ask me all these stupid questions. Um, she, you know, there's nobody there. She has to fight with the French Tennis Federation and Wimbledon and the Australian Open and the US Open. But should she not have an advocate to stand up for her? And, you know, Novak Djokovic has, has made it um, part of his mission to say, like, let's create a union. Federer and Nadal have been, let's say, slower to come on board and Serena has not yet ana- uh said that she's in favor of what Djokovic wants to do. If Serena especially won't step up and join and say we should join the union, then what chance does it have? Uh, you know, I mean like if the t- uh, if the people with the most power in the situation don't say yes, we have to unionize, what 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 can they do? Yeah. yeah go ahead
3: Mike no so I was just gonna say man listen you mentioned Djokovic uh when he wins Wimbledon definitely want to have you come Uh back and talk about the big three who will all be tied with 20 grand slams or majors Uh but I don't want to get into that because we got to go we up against the clock as we let let you go you are a devoted
6: Djokovic has a winning head-to-head record against Nadal and Federer so like the the game is already up. Like no, he's I, he's got it. Like you can't. It's no more of a big three. It's oh, okay. Well, we all
3: right. Oh, excuse me. He's already to go. I don't have to ask you next time. As we go to break, just real quick. Happy Father's Day. Tell us what happy. you and your lovely family what what if anything y'all got planned for Father's Day. Real quick. You got a beautiful family, man. What do y'all what do y'all got? Thank going you.
6: On? I, I don't even know what we got planned for Father's Day. I you know I asked for a, oh thank you for throwing up the picture. I I asked for a ring from Johnny Newman. That has a image of James Baldwin and I think I'm pretty sure she got it for me, so I'm looking forward to that. Oh, nice. Great, great
3: picture. Look at that one. You 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 Money. did the damn thing. Let's put it that way. <laughs> beautiful
4: family.
6: Yeah. He finished uh, again, eighth beautiful grade. book did review in the New, it? New York Times. Huh? He finished eighth grade. What is that? He finished eighth grade. Hey, I can't believe congratulations, it. Congratulations,
3: brother. I'm, I'm telling you, mine just finished seven. It's incredible. Torrey, so, we'll talk to you soon, man.
2: Going into Appreciate
6: seven. You. Thanks, I got
2: one going into the seventh. <laughs> happy uh, Father's Day yeah.
6: to both of you. All right, happy Father's Day, guys. Be man. Thank you.
0: The legends are true. Overwhelming power. The sauce of destiny. Yes.
3: All right, Brandon Newman is with us now. The man of the people, the voice of the people, uh, the curator of this year's segment called the comment section. Uh, We tight on time, Brandon. So give us your best comment. Your best comment
7: from the last week of shows. All right, this one's obviously been a great week of shows. Congratulations. You guys are killing it. Uh, This is from Twitter. Therapy and reparation said Holly will be insufferable (laughs) if the bucks pull this off. For the love of Christopher Wallace, I'm praying Brooklyn takes care of business. Now, who's going to be worse? Absolutely. Obviously, we have a whole week off, but that, yeah, you came in. You came in decked out with the apparel, Holly, but you you weren't you weren't as hey. annoying as a lot of people was, was expecting.
2: Hey, hey! Um, first of all, shout out <laughs> to that Twitter handle. Uh, right? <laughs> Therapy yeah. and reparations. That hey, is man. dope. Yeah. Hey, but you know what, Mike and Brandon? Not really. Look. I expect the Bucs to win. I expected them. I'm actually surprised the series is seven games. I thought they'd take care of the Nets in six. So I'm a little disappointed that we got a game seven in Brooklyn on a Saturday. I'd much rather the Bucs prepare for the Eastern Conference Finals, but I'm not going to celebrate something I expected anyway.
3: Brandon, you know how I'm a copy editor by nature. Yes. I'll just take exception with the, the verb tense holly will be
7: insufferable. Oh, Ooh. 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 Ooh, that's I mean, cold. Okay. So, that's know, cold. I mean, that's cold. That's beautiful. I'm walking it's by right, Australia it, you know. uh, tank top today for uh, Ben Simmons. I know he went through a lot this week with you guys. <laughs> oh,
3: I, like that. I appreciate it. Appreciate it. I like hey, that. Brandon, uh, a very special. You congratulated us a very special congratulations to you. My friend, This will be, welcome to the club, this will be your first Father's Day weekend. Yes. So, happy Father's Day. Uh, Thank you. Thank you so much. I know you got the big piece of chicken already identified. Uh, What what, what plans do you have? Or, just tell tell us what it means to you, before we let you go. Tell us what this means to you to be enjoying your first Father's Day as a father.
7: Honestly, it's weird that you say it because I feel like I'm in this mentorship program of fatherhood being on this show, working on this show with you guys and, and learning from you guys as fathers. And, uh, I just recognized the kid that I've been dreaming about for years is here now. So it's like, Oh shit. I'll excuse my language. I got to get to work. So, uh, that's okay. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. Sorry. Too, too real with y'all too real. Yeah. Get to really with the brothers, with the brothers, but no, I'm, I'm blessed man beyond belief. Um, thankful. Thankful for for something I've always asked for, man, and I'm just I can't wait to stack these up. I can't wait for these to get boring like they are for you guys. Oh,
3: never boring, <laughs> man. We about to get into that right now. No, but listen, God bless you. It's God bless not. the family. And um, thank you, thank listen, you, guys. We, Happy Friday, 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 you. Day, man. Having, you you're built for it. Happy
7: appreciate Friday, it. Having, you, it. Appreciate, Friday, it. Friday. appreciate it. We'll talk to you always. soon. All
3: right, All right, guys. Later. It's it's not boring for me, man. Um, because not me, me either. You know, not a day. The other day, they, my kids at this point and my wife at this point, they don't even ask me what I want for Father's Day, because they know what the answer is going to be. He's like, I don't want anything because I have all the gifts and flowers that I need every day for my three kids. Like I don't need anything. Like this is about them. It ain't about me. And I'm not saying that from a place of false humility, because Michael, every no, every day, you're right? And everything I say, you're so right. Everything I say to my kids. You know what I think about every time I say something to my kids? I think about, is this something that they're going to remember in a good way? Is this something that they're going to repeat? Will they quote me to their kids and their kids' kids? And will my kids look look upon Father's Day fondly because of the affection and respect that they have for me? And that's a gift and a privilege, man. Like, like we don't, you and I and, uh, and fathers everywhere, we don't do this for, for recognition. We don't do this for props. We don't do this for attention. It ain't about competition with Mother's Day for me. Like I think uh, when you're a father, you know it ain't about you. It ain't never going to be about you. And I think we're all, we're all more than at peace with that. That's the job. And it's a privilege to know that every day, not just Father's Day, re- it really is Father's Day. It's father's, father's Day for me every day. I know I speak for you too
2: oh man that's so good mike it's it's so real it's so beautiful i I like what you said about like dad we know dads we know it's not about us so for uh, in our house so you have the opposite you have two girls and a boy i got two boys and a girl so when we're getting ready to go out you know how (laughs) just that frenzy that scramble (laughs) to go somewhere whether it's going on vacation uh whether it's uh, a school day it's just that the house is humming so we, we have to go out. I got the two boys. So my responsibility is to get the two boys ready. Uh, I'm, I'm the one who iron, you know, I love to iron. I iron every day. So I'm you the do. one who irons stuff. If my, if, if my daughter needs something to iron, I iron that. If my wife, hey, you know she's getting ready, here iron the shirt. I got you, baby. All right, I'm ironing stuff. All this stuff. she'll look at me. Everybody, everybody else will be ready. She's like, "You're not ready yet." said so, you know what I'm always ready before everybody else so I just I, I can be ready in like a minute and a half two minutes yeah. because it's yeah. my job is to make sure everything else is in, in a good situation you're doing more than I me but I'll just say this Mike
3: God bless you you're Mike, doing more than me
2: <laughs> I'm telling you I want to help somebody with this I want to help somebody with my story and my and you know what my story is but I'm I'm, I'm saying it in an encouraging way like if I can be a father, if I can be a father and figure it out, anybody, anybody can, if you, don't, don't ever look at yourself. Don't ever go small when you should be big. Don't ever minimize what your calling is. If your calling is to be a father, and I do look at it that way, I know you do too. Uh, mm-hmm. It's something that we're called to. Look, my, my entire life, I have never had one con- I've never had a conversation, not a single conversation with my father, not one. And so, but I knew that I wanted to do it. I knew that it was like, it was for me and I I had no example from him. I had examples from other people. I'd pick and choose as a la carte. Okay. I'll go here. I'll take some of that. I'll take some of that. This makes sense to me, but I knew I was going to do it. And the number one thing I always wanted to do was be present. To be present that's it i'm here i'm physically that's it. i'm physically present i'm emotionally present i'm i'm still Correct. learning i know you're still learning uh yep. it is a gift it yep. is a gift it's a blessing and i'm just so thankful. And that's it's the, the gift that we have to continue to give
3: them no question yep. that's what we give them this ain't about us receiving gifts we're giving them our attention hmm. our affection our guidance and our protection you know what i mean and this real quick though Y'all laugh when you talk about ironing and all that. bro. I'm useless. Like, my responsibility is to get myself together. <laughs> I'm the opposite. Like, my wife takes care of the kids. And they take care of themselves for the most part. I just can I get out the door is the question. So Sarah and Savannah are out of state at a basketball tournament this weekend. So I'm at home with Mason and Maya. bro. I kid you not. Last night, Maya was trying to, like, you know, take advantage of me like she always does. And she said, uh, yeah, you know, so it's just going to be us. What are we going to do? Because mommy's... My, you know, and Sarah was saying, don't buy Maya something, right? And, and, and Maya was like, Dad, why can't you get it? You're just as much of a parent as, as, as Mommy is. And she's like, well, actually, this is my 8-year-old. Actually, Mommy's more of a parent than you are. Because she makes us do work. Woo! And she makes us do chores. <laughs> you, you let us watch shows. I was like, oh, oh, so I'm just a pushover? So, so this weekend, i got to be the bad cop. So i got to be good cop and bad cop this week. I have no idea what they're going to eat. You know, this weekend I have no idea what they're gonna eat because I don't cook, I don't know how to cook. So we, I mean, it's just you know. Look, I know we can't speak Bill Cosby's name, but I'm sorry, Bill Cosby himself was hilarious, and I am that dad is great. Give us some chocolate cake, guy. I'm that. Give us some chocolate cake. One of my kids had cake for breakfast. The other one might have had Italian ice for breakfast. I don't know. I'm just trying to get them to. I'm just trying to survive the weekend, and then my son. Tell me, tell me, you ain't had this conversation with Robinson and Beckham. I know not Ava, but Robinson and Beckham. Why does every kid? Every, this is a rite of passage for everybody. My son was getting his little goggles to help him not look down while he's dribbling because he was practicing basketball earlier. Dad, I can't find my goggles. What did I say? Tell me what I said, Michael. What? Well, well, what? Did you, you look for them?
2: Where'd you? Where'd <laughs> did you look for them? Oh, okay, say. Okay. Did, did you, you look, look for them or where'd you put them? <laughs> hey, did. Sit- don't you know to put him in the same position? Don't you know old. to put him in the same spot? Yeah. And look, <laughs> Hey man, like, hey, oh it's so funny God. though. So. It's so funny. Your, your comment, your comment about being the pushover, uh, pushover parent. Yeah. I pretty much had to, fu- I, I, I was starting to tell you with well, Loki. It's funny how it comes back to Loki. I was starting to tell you that that was kind of part of the resistance to Loki because Oni was away. She called, she said, put me on speaker phone. I was, she's with Ava. I'm with the boys. Put me on speaker. I said, oh boy, i you. all done messed up now. What'd you do? Yeah. So she's mad. She's like, they don't deserve any privileges right now. And I'm like, oh, I can't believe she called right now because we were about to sit down. <laughs> we were going to watch Loki. <laughs> that was going to be our treat. Right. It was so painful. Hey, you can't go against her. It was sir. painful.
3: How many times I do know, your kids try to get you to go against your wife? How many times do they gonna do that? Right. You're like when you tell. Like, Dad, Mom said such and such. Then I'm like, they tell. What am I supposed to do about it?
2: You know? <laughs> yeah. Like I wanted to sneak it, but but they got big mouths, so I'd be caught. So oh. we gotta wait. Next time I see you, we'll have Loki and we'll talk about the Bucks and Sixers in the NBA uh, Eastern Conference Finals. All
3: right, baby. Oh yeah. Happy Father's Day. Love you. Enjoy your vacation. Happy we'll Father's see Day, the week. brother.
4: 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.
0: The legends are true. overwhelming power. sauce of destiny. Yes!